It's great to see you all today. You know, I'm so thankful for our team here at the City Church. If you like our church at all, one of the reasons you like our church is because of the City team. They're doing a great job. And you know, one of my job descriptions as a pastor from Ephesians chapter four is to get us all collectively doing the work of the ministry. It's part of my job description from the scripture. Don't fail me. (laughs) Go Leafs go. All right. That's all I got. It's only the first round. It's only the first round. We can't get too excited. All right, we are launching a brand new series today called The Secret Place, and we're going to be talking about prayer here for the next few weeks. Uh, In the beginning of the year, in our made new series, we touched a little bit on prayer, um, how important it is uh, in the practice of a Christian's life. And just want to focus on the next few weeks here. We got Mother's Day tucked in the middle. Nicole will be here speaking to you, which would be great. Um, But we're going to be focusing on prayer for the next little while. And when we think about prayer, you know, it can be a daunting idea for some people. Um, But really, it is just time with God, talking to God. And I, I, I try to say this as a reminder. When we think about prayer, prayer is about spending time with the one who loves you the most. And we never shy away from that. I know my my wife and I got to go away last week to a pastor's event in Florida, which is a great bonus. And, um, but spending a week away with Nicole is never a hard thing for me. I want to actually spend time with Nicole, be with Nicole. And this is the way we need to think about the people we love the most and the ones that love us the most. And really this is, should be our entry point to prayer. We think about prayer. Now, uh, prayer has many different elements as it relates to spending time with God. Included in prayer is asking and worship and thanksgiving and honesty and lament. These are all things that we see in the scripture that are aspects of spending time with God. You know that God can handle your honesty? God is not afraid of you being honest with him. And he also will be honest with you. Um, Listening, stillness, rest, a place of the promises, being present in his presence, alignment, recalibration, correction, persistence, and faith. These are all elements of an effective, honest, genuine prayer life. And so we want to talk about the next few weeks again so that we can, maybe if we, in any time in our lives, it's easy just, you know, if we have again in January, we have a thought, oh, I'm gonna pray every day this year. I'm gonna spend so much time in prayer. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then sometimes we fail. Sometimes life gets busy and we step away. And this is such a great reminder for us that we want to continue a life of prayer. Psalm 91 verse one says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him, I will trust. So the secret place that I would be, my dwelling place in life would not just be my home, not just my address, but my dwelling place where we should all be dwelling is in the presence of God. And then ultimately end these verses said, I'm gonna put my trust in him. And really that is the place of prayer. Just maintaining that spot. You know, um, sometimes we try to quantify prayer and it's great if you can pray an hour, praise God. If you can pray two hours, thank God. Uh, You know, I heard one minister say one time, you know, I never pray more than five minutes at a time, but I never go five minutes without praying. And it is maintaining that spot. It's maintaining Um, just that thoughtfulness of God that we can pray at any moment for somebody. And I know one of the things 
for me, one of the practices that I have um, just to maintain that place of prayer is I constantly just say, thank you, Lord. You know, the scripture talks about enter into his, thanks, uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And so that is just an obviously an easy entry place for us. Thank you, Lord. And then if we see a situation, if we see something on the road, if we see somebody in the grocery store, if we see or think about a friend, if we see a post online, if we see a situation that needs prayer, I can pray. Don't text me. Hey, Pastor Brent, will you? No, I don't mean that in an angry way. If you have my number and you need me to pray for you, I will pray for you. That's not what I'm saying. My, my point is my prayers, because I'm a pastor, are not more effective than your prayers. We both can pray. If you see a situation, if you see a circumstance, if you see someone, again, someone you don't know in the grocery store, you bet, man, that person's going through a hard time. What can we do? We can enter into his gates. Thank you, Lord. And I just pray for that person. Even though I don't know their situation and circumstance, I can tell they're going through a difficult time. God, I pray that you send a laborer into their, the harvest field of their life. I pray that you are walking with them, that they, you are leading them to you. We can just enter into prayer at any moment with any situation or circumstance. And so what we want to do is we want to see uh, prayer is our dwelling place. You know, Jesus, uh, when he... Uh, turned over the tables of the money changers in the temple. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now he's talking about a physical temple, but we know from the New Testament, we are the house of God. So we should be a house of prayer. Just this, the vitality of our connection with God, the vitality uh, for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus is this communication place where I'm talking to God and he is talking to me. We should be called a house of prayer. Now, when we think um, about prayer, again, it can just be sort of a duty to us. It could be, uh, depending on our tradition or how we think about prayer, it can be uh, a re- an empty religious practice that I feel like I'm just talking to the air. I don't know that anything is happening. And then sometimes people are confused as it relates to prayer because they asked for something and then it didn't work out. And so they're frustrated um, you know, I'm, as we go forward in the series, we'll touch on a little bit sometimes why prayers don't get answered, but I don't want you to relegate yourself to that spot because there is some scriptural things that tells us why sometimes our prayers don't get answered. Um, but I'm just going to throw out one thought right now. If your two-year-old or, or let's say a three-year-old, they're somewhat reasonably able to speak and they're asking for a birthday gift... And they say, mom and dad, I want a flamethrower for my birthday. Would you give your three-year-old a flamethrower? What's the answer to that question? No, why? They will burn the house down. When I was 16, there was a friend of ours in the church, a little bit older. He had a Corvette really fast car and I got to drive in at one time in the back not a good idea and we were going really fast on the 404 it's not a good story but when I was 16 Lord give me a Corvette and I'm thankful that God did not answer that prayer are you with me this morning I had to drive our four-door Oldsmobile 
which was good. Didn't have a good high speed because I drove that recklessly. If I had a Corvette, it would not have been a good thing. And just that understanding right there, sometimes it's just important for us to know that God has our best interests at heart. And he's not gonna give us things that will cause us damage in our lives. And sometimes the difficulty is our judgment is we want it now and we want this thing now. But thank God he doesn't give us those things that we ask in ignorance or lack of wisdom or just a lack of understanding. Amen. So when we, when we think about prayer, what we need to think about and what we're gonna be focusing on today is what, are the, what is the protocol for prayer? Now, when we think about the word protocol, if you've ever maybe met a, a famous person or a situation, I, I had to go somewhere one time and there was sort of a pseudo famous person there and we had to pre-register. And then when we got there, we had to do something at a check-in table and they had to check our ID. And there, as I was showing up, they were like, okay, here's the protocol for the night. You don't get to talk to so-and-so. You don't get to have a picture with so-and-so. And I'm like, fine, I don't care. I'm just here for the invitation. But there's a protocol and you can see this with the royals or something like that, that when, when somebody is meeting, uh, I guess he's gonna be king soon, <laughs> Charles, there's some sort of protocol. And you can remember with the queen, people would come to the queen and they have to bow a certain way and different things like that. There's a protocol um, in these certain relationships. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. We want to pray according to the protocol that God has given to us from his word. Now, there's different pro- types of prayer in the scripture. In other words, different modes of praying. And there's different rules for those different prayers. And so what we want to do is we want to understand what is the protocol for us to pray these certain ways from the scripture. Now, here's a di- depending on who you ask, there's different types of prayer. And some people have a list of five, some people have a list of seven. This is a little bit more of an expanded list. Now, we're gonna not necessarily deal in detail with all of these types of prayers in this series, but these are the type of prayers that we can see in the New Testament. Prayer of agreement, prayer of commitment, the prayer of petition, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship, prayer of intercession, prayer of supplication, corporate prayer, prayer in other tongues, prayer of confession, prayer of consecration, and the prayer of faith. And for these, all of these different types of prayers, there's maybe a different understanding from the scripture how we should pray, And what is God showing us as it relates to these types of prayers and why these types of prayers are important. And we should want to know what is the protocol for this type of prayer? Because we don't want to confuse a protocol for one type of prayer for a different type of prayer. And when we see Jesus talking about prayer, uh, a familiar portion of scripture we're going to read here in Matthew 6, there's certain ways that Jesus says we should pray and then certain ways we shouldn't pray. And there's another answer sometimes, again, why our prayers don't get answered. It's because we're praying ways that Jesus told us not to pray. And again, these, sometimes these things aren't easy to hear, but we should want to know the truth. And so again, Jesus is gonna give us some dictates here is how we should pray and then also how we shouldn't pray. Matthew 6, verse five, and then he says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. So again, here's, here's some protocol. Here's some instructions as it relates to prayers. What is, what is, hey, when you pray, what should we not do? Be like the hypocrites. Now, sometimes we think of a hypocrite as somebody who says one thing and does another, and that's a part of it. But this word 
hypocrite that Jesus was using, it's, it's like being an actor. In other words, you're acting religious, but then in your heart, you have no connection with God. So he's saying, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like an actor, a religious actor. He says this, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So again, this is a protocol for prayer. We shouldn't be praying to try to pretend that we're super spiritual or overly spiritual or, or me and God have a special connection that nobody else does. We're praying like a hypocrite. We're praying to put on a show for other people. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What's their reward? People see them. Does their prayer get answered? No. The thing that they're asking for doesn't get answered from God because their reward is people see them. So we're not, we don't want to pray like the hypocrites. Verse six, but when you pray, so here's how we should pray. Here's some protocol for prayer. Go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is, un, who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in the secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what's some protocol here? So we're not trying to do public prayer for the sake of proving to others that I'm something that I'm not. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't pray with others or we can't pray in public. Jesus is specifically giving us just a generality about our about our prayer time with God. It should be just you and God in this secret place. Now there's, in the New Testament, again, there's the prayer of agreement, which must be two people. So Jesus is obviously not against the prayer of agreement. We see the New Testament church praying corporately or as a group. So again, these things don't go against that. But what is the, what is the heart of what he's dealing with? Hypocrisy, pretending. So what should we do? So we're not trying to put on the spiritual facade in front of others. Well, we should find a secret place. We should find a place where nobody's actually seeing me pray. And it's just me and God. Me and God in my car, me and God in my house, me and God on my bed. Just me spending time with God. But then here's another thing. Here's another part of the protocol. What, what should we not do? We should not think I'm gonna be heard because I pray a really long time. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with praying an hour. We see Jesus talking to his disciples about praying an hour. So praying an hour or two hours or multiple hours is not a bad thing. But the idea is we're not saying, okay, God, I prayed this long, do what I say. We're not quantifying our prayer time and then to offer it to God as some sort of way for us to get answered prayers. We're not gonna pray like that. Doesn't mean you can't pray a long time. But we're not timing, God, I prayed four hours and 30 minutes this week. So you must answer me four hours and 30 minutes worth of the promises. I don't know how you would do it. But we don't do that. We're not getting our prayers answered because we talk a lot. Because <clears throat> why? Because God knows what we need before we ask. But we still need to ask. We still need to come to God in prayer genuinely, honestly, not putting on a show for other people. Here's some other protocol for prayer. John 16, verse 22. Sometimes people ask the question, 
who am I supposed to pray to? Am I supposed to pray to God, the Father? Am I supposed to pray to Jesus? Am I supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit? All of the Trinity is involved in our prayer time, but we'll see here, Jesus is gonna give us some instruction about who to pray to. John 16, verse 22. Therefore, you, have, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. So why do they have sorrow? Because Jesus is gonna go to the cross and then the, the ascension. But I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, talking about the day after the crucifixion and the resurrection, he says, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatsoever you ask the father in my name, he will give it you. Until now, you have asked me not, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So what's a little bit of the protocol? Asking the Father in Jesus' name. Now, we know from other scriptures that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Now, again, this is knowledge and understanding. In the past, if you thought, oh my gosh, I prayed to Jesus my whole life. God has never heard me. Listen, God... That, that's not what this scripture is saying. It's not like I'm ignoring all of their prayers now. It's like, because I, I feel like if that, that was a genuine heart you had. But here is the scripture telling us who we're praying to. Praying to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, in the name of Jesus is not abracadabra. It's not superstition. In the name of Jesus is saying that I am in Christ. In other words, I'm not coming in my own authority and my own righteousness, what we'll talk about here in a second, that I have found myself in Christ. And so I can come to you, God, in, contained in, as a follower of Christ. This is why I'm coming. Because I've named the name of Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So again, it's not a magic word, but it is the access that we have to the Father is become of, because of Jesus. I'm coming in Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're praying to the Father in Jesus' name, an important part of our protocol with prayer. And again, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Now, in the New Testament, we see some ways, and I'm not, I'm not gonna go into these in detail, um, again, because I don't want you just to throw yourself in there and say, you see, this is why my prayers aren't getting answered. We're gonna focus on the positive this morning. But there are some New Testament things that tells us why our prayers aren't getting answered or won't be answered. Number one is sin. Now, when I say sin, not that you, you made a mistake this week. I mean, a persistence in sin, knowing what is sin and then on purpose doing it. Maintaining that place is a place of unanswered prayer, disobedience. If you know that God has asked you to do something either by his spirit or through his word and you just are on purpose not gonna do it, that is a place of unanswered prayer. Selfishness. If all that you're praying for is just all about you and your needs without any thoughts for I wanna be a blessing to others, that is a place of unanswered prayer. And then finally, we can see this in the New Testament and we'll read it here in a second. A lack of faith. I'm just not trusting God. I, I haven't ultimately put my trust in God for the thing that I'm asking for. All right, so here, we're gonna go through about five things real quickly that give us this protocol, continuing this idea. What is the protocol for me to pray? First John chapter five, verse 12. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things have I written to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, if we take verse 15 out of context, it says, we know that whatever we ask. But the context of verse 15 is verse 14. And what does verse 14 tell us about how we're supposed to pray or what are we supposed to be praying? This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. So what are we supposed to pray to God? We're supposed to pray and ask God for the things that are his will for our lives. Obviously, a Corvette for me at 16 was not the will of God for my life. Right? So I wasn't asking according to the will of God. So he didn't give me the thing that I asked for. But all that being said, what, what should we do? We need to calibrate our asking to the will of God. What does the word of God say about the things that I can ask for and ask those things? See, again, people get frustrated in their prayer life because they pray stuff that isn't actually the will of God. What are they praying according to? Their will. And I've heard a lot of people just, oh, I'm so mad at God. I asked for this and then this didn't happen and I didn't get this job and I didn't get this thing. We need to pray according to the will of God. There's just a little caveat there about jobs. We know from the scripture that God wants us to work either in the home or out of the home. Can I get an amen? amen. And so some people will come to me and say, you know, Pastor Brent, agree with me that I'll get this job. Now, without getting into a big teaching in that moment, I don't actually know if God wants them to have that job. I know that God wants them to have a job. Maybe God has a better job than the one that they're asking God for. So what do I pray? Since I'm in a, between a rock and a hard place, because I can't not pray for this person. What am I praying for? Thank you, God, for your favor on them for the job that you have for them. Because that's what I want for that person. I want the job. According, we know that God wants us to work so we can pray and ask for jobs. I want the job that God has for them. Because again, the job that we think is the best job for us might not be the best one. Can I get an amen? amen. Another thing, when I'm thinking about prayer, sometimes people will go to the doctor. They're getting a test. They're waiting for the test results. They want me to pray for them. Pray, Pastor Brent, that the test results are good. Now, let's think for a second. I, I actually want the test results to tell the truth. Because whatever the test results are, we can trust God for whatever the results of the test are. Are you here with me this morning? Because whatever the results come back, if there is some sort of sickness as a result of the test, then we can trust God for healing. But we want the test result to tell the truth so that we can know what to trust God for. Do you see the subtle difference there? Amen. See, I'm just telling you, it's 
pastoring is a hard job. (laughs) Psalm 143, verse 8. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for I trust in you. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I will lift up my soul. Just this constant desire that we would live out the ways of God for our lives. This would be our desire. This would be the desire of my soul to do the will of God for my life. John 15 verse seven says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Now, again, if we just say, ask whatever you wish, we're missing the first part of the verse. What is the first part of the verse? Abide in me and my words abide in you. Why? Because we know when we know his word, we know his will. And then we're asking according to that. That's what we're asking for. What the revealed will of God for us is from the scripture, that is the thing that we need to ask for. And it will be done for you. Now, again, if we take that first part, if we just take out the first part and say, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, again, that's, that's what some people do and they pray and then they're frustrated because the thing that they're asking for isn't actually the will of God. And then they're mad at God and they should just be mad at themselves. Verse eight, but this my father has glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples that we would abide in him, that we would know his word, know his will, and then ask according to his will. And then we will see God's fruit show up in our lives. That's what we want, right? We just don't want the fruit of our will. What I could dream, because what I could dream is below what God could dream for my life. So I want the fruit of what God has for me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number two, protocol, humility. We need to be humble when we pray. Luke 18, verse nine. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So what's the context here? People who trusted in themselves, self-righteous, and then didn't like other people. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. So in this story, we're gonna get two stories about two different type of people and how they pray. One gets their prayers answered, One doesn't. So there's lessons in here. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He prayed with himself. He didn't pray to God. This is what he prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Would there be any pride in that statement? Should not start your prayer, God, I thank you that I'm better than everybody at church. And you know that my prayers should be answered because of this, because I'm in groups and I serve and I do this and I tithe and I'm better, I'm just better. I'm just better than them, Lord. And you see, you see my heart that I'm better than them. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Never look around during the worship service and think I'm worshiping better than you. (laughs) Because you're not. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, is tithing a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. It's a scriptural thing. But we're not using it for some sort of credibility to get our prayers answered. 
And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now again, what is, is the beating of the chest? Is that the protocol for prayer? No, he's talking about an attitude of the heart. The attitude of these two individuals, their hearts are coming out in the words that they say. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his, just, to his house justified rather than the other. For anyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's why we come in the name of Jesus. Because we are humbly saying, without Jesus, we have no access to you. All of our goodness, all of our good actions, all of our church attendance, all of our worship, all of our tithing, all good things. But without Jesus, we have no access to God. So when we come in Jesus' name, we're coming humbly. Number three, we're coming with an awareness that, a right, that righteousness is given to us, not of ourselves, like we just read. First Peter chapter three, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Ephesians three eleven. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Why do we have access to the throne room of God to be able to ask according to the will of God? It's because of Jesus. Imputed righteousness, righteousness that's given to us, not righteousness in and of ourselves. That his ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. Not self-righteous, but righteousness that's given. So that's why we could just come, God, thank you that I can come and spend time with you today because of what Jesus has done. Do you hear, it's just so much more humble. It's so much more um, just grace-filled as opposed to coming like the Pharisee. Oh, thank you that I'm better than everybody else. A righteousness that's given. Number four, protocol for prayer, single-mindedness. James 1, verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, now wouldn't that be true of all of us? As it relates to our decision-making, we need God's help to know what to do. We need God's help to make the choices he wants us to make. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. In other words, without holding back. And it will be given him. Great verse, right? Great thoughts. Let's keep reading. But let him ask in faith. All praying should be done in faith. Now, what am I meaning by faith? That we're putting our ultimate trust in God. We're believing that he hears us when we pray. And then we're believing the things that he said is his will. What did we just read about his will? He gives to us wisdom generously. We should ask. But how should we ask? Let him ask in faith. Here's a non-faith-filled prayer. God, I need some help today, but I don't know. I asked for something last week and it didn't happen. 
maybe it will happen today. I don't know. Amen. That is not a faith-filled prayer. What is a faith-filled prayer? I'm just going to pray back to God what he said. God, thank you that you are a generous giver of wisdom. I expect today to walk in the wisdom that you said I could have. And when I have to make choices about my future, I know that you are with me and you're going to be leading me and guiding me. You've never left me alone like we sang at church this Sunday. And so I know your spirit is on the inside of me and I will have clarity about what I'm supposed to do. That is, you don't have to pray that loud. I'm I'm preaching right now. That's a faith-filled prayer. Just, I'm God, I'm going to trust you. Just trust you with the wisdom that you said I could have. Let him ask in faith, no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Think about somebody, you ever been on a boat and there's been some big waves, what's happening? It's like you're back and forth. It's like, oh, this, no, the horizon, no, the water. That's what doubting is like. God, I trust you. Oh, not today. God, I trust you. Maybe not. God, I trust you. Oh, look at the circumstances. Back and forth. That's what doubt sounds like. Now listen. Verse seven. For that person. Here's an answer about unanswered prayer. For that person. What person? The person who's driven like the waves. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, Pastor Brent, are you saying that some people don't have enough faith when they pray? The Bible is saying it, actually. The Bible is saying when you go into prayer in doubt and you're just double-minded. Maybe I'm trusting God, maybe I'm not. That person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So what should we be single-minded about? God, I trust you. Circumstances this, circumstances this, circumstances this, this, this going on, this situation. God, I trust you. I want to keep myself in that place of faith, full reliance on God. And then finally this protocol for praying is to seek after God not just his stuff God has a lot of blessings for you a lot of blessings all the way through the scripture but we can just get our eyes on things we can get our eyes on the fulfillment of the promises and then forget God himself the best part about praying is that we get to be in God's presence and we get him. We get access to him. We get to be in a relationship with him. Because again, our praying could be like, God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. God, take care of this. God, do this. Jesus name. Amen. No thankfulness, no recognition of God's goodness, no thankfulness for the righteousness that he's given you. It's a really important part of praying. But the best part about praying is that we get God himself. Jeremiah 12, 12 says this, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. Seek after God. It's the best part of praying. God, thank you for who you are to me. You are so good, so good, so good, so good to me. And I know you provide all these things and I know you have great and precious promises in your word. But the fact that I get to spend time with you, that I get to be in your presence, I could seek you and I could find you. Let's just pray today. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful, Lord, that we can be in your presence today, that you are here with us right now. God, we are humbled by that fact, that your spirit is in us, surrounding us. God, you are so good. God, we love you. We we thank you that you first loved us. Be in your presence today. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus on the cross that he accomplished for us something that we could never do for ourselves so that we could be in a relationship with you, a life-giving relationship, an honest relationship, a genuine relationship, a relationship where we know your will and we ask you for your will for our lives. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning and you've never taken a first step in your relationship with God. We read some verses there about righteousness. Really righteousness just means right standing with God. And how is it that we have right standing with God? The scripture tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, we aren't perfectly moral creatures. So we can't offer that to God, a holy, perfect God and say, God, look how good we are. We can't create some sort of religious tradition and act religious and say, God, look how religious I am. Will you accept me now? No, the story of the scripture, the story of the gospel is that God has come down in Christ and made a way for us to be in a relationship because of what Jesus has done. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead because all of that has happened. God just offers us a gift of salvation gift of eternal life. And all we have to do is say yes to that gift. So if you have never done that before, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. Maybe you're here this morning and you kind of feel like, you know, I used to be in a relationship with God and I really feel distant today. Whatever the circumstances of that distance, you know, God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and Let's pray this prayer out loud, praying with somebody who's maybe praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to your righteousness. I say yes to a relationship with you. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. 
I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with anyone who made that decision for the first time today. We're so excited that you made that decision. And so if that was you, if you made a decision to follow Christ or rededicate your life, I want to encourage you to take the info, the connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, and then check off, I've decided to follow Christ. And uh, you can turn that into our info desk, which is right in the lobby. A bunch of resources that we want to give you, your new journey of faith, as well as just celebrate with uh, an exciting decision that you made uh, this morning. Awesome. Before I dismiss, I just want to remind you of a couple of uh, important announcements that were made earlier this morning. I want to encourage you to hop in on team. Join the best team ever if you're not already a part of it. One more time. Can we give it up for our city team this morning? Come on. So good. If you head to the lobby, there's actually a bunch of stations with all the different areas that are available for you to serve in. We're going to have some of our own team there. And so if you're like, hey, what is this team all about? Or where can I fit in? Make sure you have a conversation with someone in the lobby. As well, uh, parents, when you go pick up your kids, make sure you say thank you to our City Kids volunteers that were helping take care of your kids all morning. All right, why don't we stand to our feet? This morning, if you are hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, some of our, our leadership, they're coming right down to the front of the stage right now, can encourage you to come and visit them right after service. They'd be more than happy to pray with you this morning. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming to church this morning. We invite you to join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Have a great week being prayerful and seeking God. Have a great week, City Church. We love you.